This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're your staff writers for Swamp247.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. And we're here to talk about Florida Vanderbilt. Florida obviously coming off a tough loss to Georgia Blake. And uh, I think the real key this week is basically just Florida. Um, looking at Vanderbilt's numbers, uh, you know, I was kind of laughing before we started the show. Uh, Vandy's pretty bad. And uh, really, I think this game is just about how Florida shows up, really. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is... You know, I don't know. Derek Mason seems to have had this Vandy team playing a little bit. You know, it's not not quite whenever James Franklin was there. I think Vandy was a little bit more formidable then. But, you know, James, uh, excuse me, Derek Mason has had these guys playing, you know, a little bit more stout on defense here. But it just kind of seems like the floors kind of fell on out this season. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It seems like this one could get out of hand. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, so uh, I, the thing I look at is Florida really hasn't handled, you know, coming off of these games against Georgia very well in the past four or five years. Um, and so the real question for me is where's Florida's focus level at? And I think when you see some of the news this week that a guy like Chris Bleich, who started eight of nine games, is suddenly transferring out of the program, to me, that asks, you know, that, that begs some questions. You know, what, what is going on here that Florida has a, a starter on the offensive line transferring out in the middle of the season? Um, Blake, I guess I'll go ahead and explain kind of what we know about the situation. Um, from what we've talked to uh, behind the scenes, it seems like there's uh, there was some family pressure involved in the decision to leave. Uh, Dan Mullen kind of hinted at that on his Wednesday SEC teleconference call. Um, but also, I think there was a little bit of frustration building. Um, we've not been shy about talking about Chris Bleich's play on the field and how we thought Richard Gouraj was probably a better fit at this point. That it seemed like, you know, Florida was getting to the point where it's going to seriously start considering starting Guraj over Bleich, you know, going forward. Well, now they have to. Um, but I think the, the writing was on the wall a little bit there. And I think, you know, when, when Bleich went back and was looking at the film and, and kind of, you know, Florida's coaching him on it, from what we were told, there was some tough coaching that went on, um, you know, some, some very football coach type coaching. Um, and so he, for whatever reason, that and, the, you know, the family situations um, opted to transfer. But, Blake, I guess my question is, d- does this transfer – raise any red flags to you about where the the team's um, focus level might be this week? You know, I think it's more of a timing thing to where those questions can kind of creep in. Whenever you have a loss that it was kind of deflating, one like Georgia, one that, you know, Florida was in position to take advantage of the East, to, to take a lot of momentum either way and, and a lot of different things. I think it, it's more or less a timing thing to where you kind of think, well, well, man, what's going on here? But I think you really kind of hit the nail on the head. It seemed like this was possibly something that was creeping in. You know, you, you seem to be losing snaps. He was a glaring issue over the season there. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's John Hevesy. It, it's pretty well documented that, he, I mean, he is a tough football coach. He, he doesn't hint at it. You know, he's very upfront at it, to, you know, to recruits, to, to people who are around him. 
Um, you know, that's not to say anything bad about him, but I think whenever you have a kid like that, that's, you know, starting to lose some snaps and, you know, you're, you're kind of getting down on yourself. It's hard when you're an out of state kid too, and your family can't come right. You know, I can understand that, you know, we're a situation like that. It, it does seem like at this point he's gone, um, you know, he's in the transfer portal and it kind of seems like, I think both sides can really kind of benefit from this because again, Richard garage has been the better player this season. Um, and, and I think he's, you know, a guy that can continue to, you know, kind of have a growing role in Florida's offense. Well, I guess, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, um, it's not like Florida's necessarily hurting in terms of numbers. Um, but, you know, you would hope that a guy that you've gone and, you know, given this much experience to at this point would be a guy that could continue to develop. And so I think I think the transfer hurts, you know, from that regard. Um, I do want to ask you um, in Chris Bleich's recruiting. I know it was a very quick one, you know, as far as him coming to Florida. Um, but was there anything in his recruiting that maybe indicated to you that, you know, he was. I guess we would quote unquote call it a transfer risk. You know, a, a guy that's, uh, I believe he made a commitment to Penn state. Um, he was closing in on a commitment. Um, I, it's even Mississippi state when Mullen and those guys were there. And then he was kind of looking, it, it was a guy that, you know, he, he was linked to a d- bunch of different schools and he kind of seemed to bounce around. I, I don't know if that's something you can really put into, you know, maybe him as a player, but you know, sometimes when you have those little things that pop up, you know, Chris Steele was another guy that, you know, he's linked to a lot of schools. He's committed right. to a couple of times, you know, it happens. Um, but I think whenever you look, you know, Chris was, I, I believe Mullen's first commitment, um, he's mm-hmm. a guy that really had a really close ties with Mullen, with Hevesy. Um, the family really liked him, and that's why this recruitment kind of, you know, Mullen, these guys get hired. They're still building the staff, and this one was kind of one of these ones that really moved kind of quickly, like you said. You know, this wasn't one where, you know, we got a chance to kind of get to know Chris, see where he's at. You know, it was kind of boom, boom, you know, he's in the class. So, um, you, you know, maybe how c- kind of quickly things moved. Maybe he didn't have enough time to kind of do his due diligence on Florida, and maybe it was somewhat of – you know, kind of looking at a coaching staff, I think you can kind of factor that in with how quickly it seemed that, you know, Mullins been, you know, from Starkville, Starkville to Gainesville, you know, now I'm going to be a Gator. So I think, you know, maybe somewhat there, you know, considering that he's kind of looked around at a bunch of different schools. But I think, again, you know, he's a guy that Florida was really excited about. You know, they got his his feet wet, you know, really early in his career. And I think it kind of, that, that to me shows what they thought about him to where, you know, Mullen doesn't throw guys out there that he doesn't trust on the field. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that it shows what they think about him. But, you know, this year it just really didn't seem like things were working out. Yeah, no, I guess the part that surprises me is is you kind of mentioned it. You know, Hevesy's a guy that's very straight up and he tells guys that in recruiting. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, some of the, the fans on our on our message board were getting upset at one point because they read Hevesy's pitch. And it was like he's not promising playing time right away. He's promising you that it's going to be very hard, that you probably won't see the field for two to three years. Um but you, I kind of think when, once you know that going in up front, the guys that do commit to him, you would expect to be a little more bought in. So just just from a surface level, I'm a little surprised that a guy that started eight games, you know, out of nine, is suddenly transferring. And I think when you look at, you know, I said the numbers have been good from Florida in terms of recruiting the O line since Dan Mullen got here. Um, they have in terms of signees. You know, Florida signed four in his first transition class, but you look at it now with Bleich gone. Noah Banks, medical DQ, uh, that class is already cut in half on the O-line. You look at the seven guys they signed last year, two of them didn't make it in. Um, and so when you lose a guy, like I said, that has this kind of experience that you've invested some real playing time in, you know, basically a whole season's worth of starting experience that could have gone to another guy, you, you know, you're again, you're pushing the development of this offensive line, I think, a little further down the road. And so to me, it's a little concerning from that standpoint. Now you've got Ethan White, uh, you know, stepping in as the sixth man, you know, if anybody gets hurt. And he's a guy that they probably would have liked to redshirt. Now you've got four games. He's only got two games left to play if he wants to retain the redshirt. 
So again, you're getting into situations that are a little less than ideal on this O-line, and I think you lose a guy that started this many games. Um, to me, it's a little bit concerning, but maybe you can speak to it from a recruiting standpoint, some of the guys that they're bringing in, um, you know, whether or not that that's a fair concern, I guess. You know, I think it, it's a fair concern in the simple fact that, you know, you don't want to have to count on some of these young guys. You know, I don't know that Florida exactly has really signed those guys, at least leading up to this isn't counting the 2020 cycle guys that I really off the hoof can say, man, this guy is going to make an impact extremely fast in Gainesville. This year, I think Isaiah Walker Jr., Florida's four star commit down in South Florida. I think he's a guy that can do that. that. I think if Florida uh, is able to, you know, kind of reel in a four star, another four star offensive lineman in Marcus Doomerville out in Fort Lauderdale, I think he's another guy that could easily see some early playing time at, at Florida. So, you know, I just don't know that Florida has recruited the guys that are just going to come in and, and, you know, be that six man as a freshman, you know, obviously Ethan White is thrown to that now and it's kind of more of, you know, kind of thrown in the fire, obviously where things are now, but um, it, offensive line is not one of those positions that you want to have these holes in, in your roster and you want to make sure that you get a lot of these guys on campus. So I think Florida has to be extremely careful this cycle. You can't just have some of these. I know it's hard to predict DQs and, you know, medical things. So I, those are hard. It, it, they pop up, but I think mm-hmm. Florida just needs to make sure that, you know, bringing some of these guys that can make, you know, a little bit more Isaiah Walker Jr.'s Marcus Doomerville types and not so much of these guys that are projects because, um, you know, that's what they're doing now with some of these guys that were kind of projects as far as, you know, making an early impact. They signed a lot of those guys leading up. They'll continue to develop them, but Florida's offensive line just isn't getting any more experience whenever you lose guys like Chris Bleich, who, like you said, eight out of nine games he's played and has started. Well, and I think you're hitting on it, too. Uh, you know, that's one of the differences I thought we saw Saturday between Georgia's O-line and Florida's O-line is the ceiling for Florida's O-line just isn't as high with guys that, you know, frankly, weren't as highly rated as recruits. I mean, I, I know that sometimes there's politics involved in how guys get ranked and all that. I'm not going to deny that. But I do think, that generally speaking, the rankings do a pretty good job of accurately projecting talent. And I think what we're seeing with this Florida O-line this year is um, it's a group that has, you know, didn't have playing experience heading into the year, but had a lot of time in the college system. But frankly, the, you know, the ceiling was pretty low. And so I think when you're like, like what you're talking about, you need to continue landing some of these Isaiah Walkers, the Doomerville types. Um, and, and then that'll really help. But anyway, sorry, I got a little bit off on a tangent with the Chris Bly stuff. I, you know, it was interesting this week. There's not a whole lot going on Vandy week. It's Vandy um, week. Yeah. So. But uh, I do, I do think the the, the real key and, and and kind of the reason I brought it up is just UF's focus level. You know that that was one that, you know, in the middle of the week, you know, for a top ten team, that's just highly unusual news. And so um, I think particularly in the context of coming off the Georgia game, it's important. It's important to talk about Florida and and where the Gators are at, how they're handling things mentally. Um, you know, speaking of players and coaches. They sound like they were re- responding really well. Like players said that, you know, practices Monday and Tuesday were very fiery. You know, the guys were fired up, kind of angry, ready to get back at it. But you don't know. I mean, we're not seeing these practices ourselves. You know, they're, they're saying what, you know, they want us to hear. So we don't really know. And, and I look at Florida's history in the last four years against uh, opponents the week after Georgia. You have uh, two ugly losses to Missouri. They lost that ugly game at Arkansas. Now, granted, they had quarterback issues there. They were on their third center in that game back in 2016. The last time Florida won coming off the Florida-Georgia game was against Vanderbilt. So good news there. The bad news is that win was a 9-7 to win. Okay, so it was a struggle. <laughs> and I think the real question is, okay, this Florida team, um, they certainly have the pieces. 
to get the focus level right and to respond well. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the week. This is a very veteran team. The question is, does that end up being a good thing this week where those guys, you know, are frustrated, they want to leave their legacy, and they they make sure they close the season out on a strong note? Or is it you got a bunch of veteran guys, they know the NFL's right around the corner, and they kind of mentally check out? And, Blake, I think we're going to find that out this weekend. Yeah, I think we'll find that out. But at the same time, too, I've just the whole context of looking at when Dan Mullen got here, he seems to kind of be bringing in that mindset of guys buying in. They've done it rather quickly. I've said that a couple times. I think when you look at this bowl game last year where a lot of guys, it seemed like the popular thing to do was to sit out in these bowl games. If you're not going to make it to the playoffs, I'm going to sit out. I'm going to save my body. I'm going to worry about the NFL. And Florida had a lot of these guys that played. So. You know, I, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can. You know, hang your hat on this. You know, every guy is different, but I think that these guys are. I don't expect these guys to check out. You know, if it happens this weekend, and you know they come out and they lay an egg, not, I'm going to look really bad. <laughs> but I, I do think that the mindset of this team. I believe them when they say that they seem like they're fired up. I know it is hard to actually know if you're not out there, but um, you know, the hardest thing for me that I think is, is it hard to motivate a team to play for another New Year's Six Bowl? Right. Right. And we talked about that a little earlier in the week. I think, you know, when you're inheriting a team coming off a four win season like Dan Mullen did last year, it's really easy to, you know, put right. that carrot on the stick and say, hey, you know, OK, so what? we lost to Georgia. We lost to Missouri. We're st- we still have the potential to be a top 10 team. We can go play in a great bowl. Um, those guys did it last year. And so now the the clear focus was, you know, we got to do more. We got to win the East. And now. I think as much as anything, if you're looking at Dan Mullen and how he's trying to motivate this team, he has mentioned several times that the SEC East is still up for grabs. So I think, I think in part they're probably dangling that a little bit more so than a New Year's Six Bowl because I, you know, not that a New Year's Six Bowl isn't great and the players all sure. loved it and they had fun, but I just we're don't sounding think it we're sounding really upper crust right now saying that yeah, you know, a Peasley New York know, right? Six or New York uh, New Year's Six Bowl. That's a good sign of how the program's coming. I think uh, you know that that people you know, and even Florida fans, I think, aren't really satisfied now with the New Year Six. You know, they're they're ready for the progress. But I think I think it's a long shot that you know the SEC East ends up going to anybody but Georgia. I mean, they'd have to lose two or three. But I think until they're eliminated, I think Dan's going to continue to use that you know as as motivation a little bit. But uh, I don't know. As he should, Florida's going to be favored to win these last three games they play in. So you know, it's probably. If you're going to motivate a team to basically play in the same type of bowl game as last year, possibly up to win one more game and show that as your, I, I think that that has to be, you know, kind of harp on that. It's not up for, you know, it's up for grabs. You have an easier way to the finish. And dry. I think those are little things that they're going to have to kind of throw in there to keep these guys motivated. Yeah. And, and like we said, I mean, it really at the end of the day, it boils down to your senior leadership and, you know, guys like David Reese, guys like John Grenard, guys like Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond. I don't see them being the character types to check out, you know. I, I just don't see it. I think that they're going to stay locked in. But, um, you know, that's why they play the games. And, you know, Florida has had to play this game after Georgia a couple times and hasn't gone well. So this is a chance for them to probably show some progress. True. Like, let's, uh, let's go ahead and dive into the matchups for this game. Uh, I'll try hard not to laugh too, too much in that second half of the segment. But uh, we'll be right back after this commercial break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. And Blake, let's go ahead and get into some of the matchups for this Florida-Vanderbilt game. Um, I'm hesitant to read some of Vanderbilt's rankings <laughs> because I don't want people to stop listening to the podcast because... We have a, uh, a recruiting recap of a, a visit weekend coming up at the end. So there. He's dangling put, the carrot on the stick yeah, now. I just put the carrot on the stick right there. Uh, but yeah, Vanderbilt is terrible. There's no other way to say it. I'm looking at all of these statistical categories, and the only there's like three that Florida lists on this, uh, you know, this rankings matchup where Vanderbilt's not worse than tenth in the SEC, and that's net punting average, it's field goal percentage, and it's punt return average. So uh, I guess they do special teams like middlingly well. Um, but yeah, so Blake, I, I don't know, man, what, a, what do we even talk about here? I guess let's start with, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, obviously he gave Florida some trouble last year, uh, ran the ball well and got out to an early start. Um, I, I guess to me, you know, we talked about it last week and, and really every week, I think when Dan Mullen's able to play with that early lead and, and the team gets off to a good start, Florida seems to be much better. Is that, I mean, that's pretty much one of the big keys to this game, right? Yeah, I think you, especially when you're coming off a loss, if you really want to make a statement when I think you have to, you know, kind of go at them from the beginning, you know, you have to get up on top, I guess, kind of, you know, get on their throats a little bit, you know, jump out early, um, you know, and, and kind of keep building on and, you know, control the game from start to finish. I think that's really the keys for Florida here, you know, kind of get in, get a win and get out and continue to focus on a Missouri team that has had Florida's numbers over the year. Yeah, no, I mean, that's obviously the big game. I think if you're, if you're looking at the the schedule, I mean, Florida State at home really shouldn't be too much of a problem. I mean, it's a rivalry game, so you never know. But this Vanderbilt game, frankly, should be pretty easy. I mean, and it's one of, you can't look ahead. You know, you cannot right. look ahead of this game either. So well, I think it, you have to kind of balance a lot of things here. Yeah, and I'll tell you this: I, I think that if there's any coach that wants to beat the hell out of Dan Mullen, it's going to be Derek Mason. You know, yeah, he wants to I, square up that, again. They had that scrap, you know, uh, you know, on the field last year, and I, I, it'll be interesting to watch the pregame between those two and see whether, you know, there's a handshake or, or just kind of a, a walking by in the post game. But look, uh, you know, I think Derek Mason, you know, is, is as bad a year as Vanderbilt's had and as, you know, as crappy as they are, um, he's capable of putting together a surprising win. I mean, we saw that with their game against Missouri, I thought. Um, and Keyshawn Vaughn, look, look, if Florida's not locked in, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's a guy that can can really run on you. I mean, he's, he's rushed for almost 800 yards this year. He's gaining 5.2 yards of carry. So, he, he's a very quality back, uh, probably, I would say, maybe the second or third best back that Florida's faced all year. You know, John Jerry Swift, obviously, I thought Florida did a great job against him last week. Um, and it, it's really a shame that they wasted that defensive performance with such a terrible 
you know, third down showing. But, you know, they played very well. And so I think you come out, you shut down, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn. And then, you know, Kalijah Lipscomb is probably the receiver you look at as, you know, maybe the one guy that can really hurt you in the pass game. I think you start to slow those two down. You get off to an early start, you'll be in good shape. Um, again, this game for me is much more about Florida than it is Vanderbilt. And I think you're saying the same thing. Um, it'll be interesting, I think, too, to see the crowd. You know, Dan Mullen's really preached about, you know, making sure the crowd shows up. They haven't played at home in a month, but it's Vanderbilt. It's a noon game. It's probably not going to be super, super packed, I wouldn't expect. Um, I know they're trying to do a color out, you know, where they have two ends of the of the stadium in blue and the others, you know, the middle would be, I guess, orange or maybe I have that backwards. But it looks like a fish on the little graphic they put out trying to get trying to get fans to do it. So I don't know. I mean, I, there's not going to be there's not going to be a lot of extrinsic reasons for for people to get excited you know what i mean it's if florida's going to get up for this game it's got to come from within it's got to come from your leaders um so i, I don't even want to break down any more matchups like I, I mean this it, we're just doing lip service if we're really talking about going x's and o's on this game i think uh what's your key to the game and, and let's go ahead and get to our score picks you know i think for florida i totally agree it's a this game is about them i, I think this is a game you haven't run the ball well all season um I think it's things, you know, little things you need to work on. You know, I think you should challenge your offensive line. Start off with Richard Garage, who has made, you know, the offense seem to kind of run a little bit better up front. I think for Florida, um, it's going to be really hard for this Vanderbilt team to stop a guy like Kyle Pitts. You know, I think that Georgia at times struggled. Um, he did seem like Florida was just going to just continue to let him beat everybody out there and they were going to kind of force things. But this is a defense that I think Pitts could really be a matchup nightmare. Um, for Florida, I think if you want to come out and you want to control third down, also, I'm not totally sure that Jabari Zaniga, Jonathan Greenard, I'm not totally sure if they're playing. I believe they are, right? Like they're all. Yeah, I think Zaniga will be a little bit questionable, but Greenard. But either definitely way, good even last week, I didn't think either one of those guys was totally 100% healthy. And you know, whenever you have those kind of guys that aren't really healthy, Jeremiah Moon, I believe, will not play again the rest of the season, or he's not expected to. He's injured. Right. So I guess my point is that there's a, a lot of limitations here for Florida on the run game. And you men mentioned Vaughn um, is a very capable running back. I don't know that he's playing on the best team that Florida will face, but he is a good running back. So I think the run game is something that I think Florida needs to key on. If you don't have these guys completely healthy, um, and especially kind of really shutting down the game on third down. So I think playing a clean game on defense and handling your deficiencies and on the same time at offense, uh, you know, don't look so lost as last week. I, I guess kind of get back to your identity and maybe test the run game a little bit more. It seemed like Florida completely abandoned that. And I guess that's because you can't really throw something that's failing against a defense like Georgia, but this isn't Georgia. So I think this is where they need to continue to test themselves there. Well, and what I, I think what I want to see from this game, uh, you know, we talked about Ethan White having two games left before he can register <laughs> I look at the schedule, and I think this is the game where a lot of those guys that have only played two games so far, and you'd like to get them experience, Sure, this is probably the game in the next three that you're going to do that. I don't think you're doing it on the road at Missouri, because I, I just think in that environment, that cold noon game, or 11 a.m. You need to be very local, serious about that type of game. They're gonna so they've to had your number. You need one. to be serious about that game. And I, I just think that one will be probably a closer game. And then FSU... With a rivalry game, you never quite know how that's going to go. So I think if you're looking at a game where you want to get a lot of young guys' experience, it's this one. And the way you do that, I think Dan Mullen will probably come out pretty aggressive in the first series or two offensively and really go for the jugular, try to get a you know a 10, 14-point lead. And then I think you hammer the run game. You really, really work that O-line in the run game. You probably get Emory Jones some some quality snaps, see what he can do. And then you, you, know, you start to get some of these you know freshman linemen in there in the second half to really start to see what they can do, get them some live reps, get them some coaching. I think this is the game that you end up doing that. 
Um, now, I it'll be interesting. I don't know if they'll do it with White because he's in an interesting situation where he's the sixth man. If you do need him and there's an injury against Missouri or FSU, you probably don't want to have played him against Vanderbilt. So he may be the one guy, interestingly enough, that you know I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play here uh, when some of the other guys maybe do. But I don't know. That could be me totally overthinking it too. Um, no, but I, I think, think so. I don't think that's I, a stretch. I think the key to this game is show up focused. Do not show up like it's your typical noon game against Vandy and let this turn into a game. Um, I don't think that Vandy has the horses, even if it does turn into a game, to, to come out with a win. I don't see Florida losing this game, but I think this is a game you want to work on things, and the only way you can do that is to set yourself up for it by showing up focused, doing what you need to do early, and then you can kind of dictate the game and play it the way you want to. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that this is a game where Florida needs to kind of get in and get out. And if you can get these younger guys experience, I think this is the game for sure, considering look at the rest, remainder of their games. All right, Blake, I'm going to go ahead and pick my score for the game. Uh, I've got 37-13 Florida. I think I think the Gators will do that. They'll come out relatively focused. Uh, might have you know some sloppiness here and there. I, I would fully expect some. Uh, but I think overall, I think they stay locked in. And I, and I think the defense really, I just don't know that Vandy's going to ha- give them much to worry about. Yeah, I was thinking like a 35-13 type of game. I think that Florida wins handily. You know, getting in some of those younger guys, I don't know that you're going to really see them run up the score, but I think it's more about getting those guys' experience. All right, Blake. Well, uh, Florida has obviously been away from the Swamp for quite a bit here. I think Auburn was the last game at home. Yeah, about a month. A month ago. So uh, this will, you know, I, I hate to say it'll be a big recruiting opportunity for Florida. Obviously, the Florida State game at the end of the year will be the big one. Uh, but... You know, you only get so many home weekends, and this is one of them, and uh, Florida is expected to host some recruits. Why don't you go ahead and fill us in on some of the guys we need to keep an eye on? Yeah, you know, I think Florida's going to really try to load up that FSU weekend to have their big, you know, kind of last marquee weekend before you hit those December um, OVs, you know, leading up to the early signing period. And I think also, too, whenever you look at all, uh, Alabama and LSU's visitor list, I mean, it is insane. You're seeing two against three. So it's not the marquee game that you want to really – kind of go up against to get these elite kids here. But Florida's got some quality guys coming in. And obviously the running back position is the big question in the 2020 cycle for Florida. And they're going to have three guys on campus this weekend. Uh, recent Florida State decommit Jalen Knighton. He backed off that Florida State pledge earlier in the week after uh, Willie Taggart's firing up in Tallahassee. So this is a guy that he's had a Florida offer for a while. He, he's really speedy. They like a lot of things about him, but he hasn't really taken a true visit. He's come to campus a couple times when he has, you know, like a big team visit and they're hitting a bunch of schools. It's not really this in-depth personal visit. So this is going to be that first real chance. Florida hasn't seen him uh, since at least earlier this year. And that's if they really, you know, again, you know, you're juggling a lot of guys with this Deerfield team when they come in. Um, You know, I don't know that they've really laid solid eyes on him. So it's going to really be a chance for them to kind of give him the eye test. He's not a really big, bulky type of back. He's kind of, you know, a 5'9 kid. He's really more of an all-purpose type of running back. So um, I've heard that there's some pretty heavy interest on his side with Florida. Um, It seems like Ohio State, Miami are some teams that Florida would be going up against if they really want to continue to press here. So I I guess it's it's really this weekend it's going to kind of see how things go just because it's been so long since he's been on campus. But he's a very talented guy. Florida's juggling a lot of running backs and things are kind of fluid there. Commitment um, watch for him? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I, I would think no. You know, if you really put me on the spot and you told me to pick one or nothing, I would say probably not. But I think that if it's a visit that goes well, you know, I think that that would probably be one of the more likely guys. If, you know, if they if things go well, they really like what they see with him. 
um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, because I do think there's legitimate interest on Florida's side. But the problem is that they're also going to be juggling a lot of running backs. You know, another right, guy. Right. They have another guy on campus this weekend out of Atlanta um, in Mississippi State commit. He's a four star running back, Joquavius Marks. Florida really likes this guy. He's really explosive. He's not quite as speedy as Knighton, but there are a lot of things. He's kind of a bigger, imposing guy that would really kind of be a little bit more of a physical back that I think Florida really kind of needs if they're going to have these offensive line woes. So I I think if I had to pick a guy in the pecking order of Florida's running back board, maybe not, you know, Demarcus Bowman, they're going to keep kicking the tires. EJ Smith, they're going to keep kicking the tires there. But I think Jaquavius Marks is a guy that factors really high on their list, too, just because prior relationships. Um, he was a guy that they were interested in early on, but they were really kind of all in on Demarcus Bowman before that commitment to Clemson. So I would think that Marks is probably the guy to keep a closer eye on. They really want to see how things go because it's kind of similar to Knighton where this guy hasn't been on campus at Florida. It's been quite a while if it hasn't been this year. I think he might have showed up earlier this year, like early spring, early, you know, kind of maybe February, January, somewhere around there. But I believe he's been on campus, but it's been a while. So, again, get him on campus, see how he goes, kind of size him up a little bit. Um and then kind of see where it's from there. He's coming off of a, an official visit to Wisconsin back sometime in October. Uh, Mississippi State's kind of struggling there. So I think Florida, this is a guy that they really want to try to um, get involved with too. So it, you kind of have to see. And I think Florida really will get a chance to gauge where they stand with these guys by getting them on campus. So I think for me, it's kind of a lot of things left to be said with how the visit goes to really kind of shape things up. But Florida is definitely shopping around. They're looking for a running back. They're going to have another guy, a three-star out of Alabama and Jalen White. He's actually the nation's uh, leading high school rusher. Doesn't really play, you know, big tip-top competition but whenever you have a guy I always think of Will Greer you know he kind of played these guys where he would just go out yeah. and just throw like eight touchdowns a game and he would just absolutely dominate and you know while he's not playing you know this big top competition whenever you have a guy that dominates against competition that he should be dominating against I think it's something to keep an eye on and Florida sure. hasn't offered white yet but they're keeping an eye on him Tennessee Vanderbilt a couple other schools are kind of keeping tabs on him he doesn't really have an impressive offer list right now but he has put together a really solid body of work so I think that is a guy that's maybe a little bit lower on the board right now, but Florida is keeping an eye on him either way. Uh, they're going to have a couple other guys from South Florida. Um, top wide receiver target, Xavier Henderson. Guy's been a regular on Florida's campus. He's taken official visits to Alabama. He's been to Georgia, Clemson, Florida, LSU, or some other trips he's kind of talked about official visit-wise. He's going to make that commitment in January at the uh, Adidas All-American game. So I-, I think Florida sits very well right there. He's been on campus, I think, for just about every game, um, except for the ones that he's taken his official visits to. So uh I think what Florida is kind of preaching this, you know, immediate need for wide receivers. I really like where they stand there, but he's not really been, you know, just the family ties to Florida. You know, if he was going to commit to Florida, I think he would have done it already. I think he really is trying to take a look at these other schools, but I think it's really comparing a lot of things to Florida. I think at that point, he's just trying to, you know, kind of keep all of his, you know, ducks in a row. And I think whenever you have, uh, you know, where you see your brother has had success at Florida, I think that things like that factor in. They have a big need at wide receiver. So I think that Florida is going to continue to be a factor there. Um, but I really want to kind of see how that recruitment continues there because, again, he's taken some visits. Um, another guy, an edge guy, Donnell Harris, he's a four-star out of Miami Gulliver Prep. Uh, he's going to make his commitment on November 11th. So Florida is kind of getting this last pitch uh, visit getting him up this week. And I think it's Florida, Texas A&M right now. It looks like he's really leaned towards the Aggies. Um, he's been on Florida's expected list for a while. I mean, I think it's we've done this song and dance with him like three times this season, but he never shows up. So I think if he shows up, it's going to really show that he's you know kind of seeing you know where Florida stands with him and where they you know vice versa. 
um, with him just making commitments so soon. So I, I think right now, Florida's really juggling him. They're juggling Morvin Joseph, kind of an edge guy who was once a commit to Florida. He flipped to FSU uh, back in July. So I think right now Florida's going to kind of see Donnell actually, he re reclassified from a 2021 recruit to a 2020. So he's pretty light. You know, he's probably going to need a red shirt, whereas I think Morvin Joseph is a guy that's going to come in a little bit more physically prepared. So I think right now, Florida just, you know, kind of get him back on campus, see where things go. But I really think Florida right now is leaning more towards Morvin Joseph. But these things move so quickly. So I think you always have to kind of reassess where things are after the visit. But um, Florida's going to have a couple other 2021 kids Travante Rucker, a 2021 wide receiver. High Florida target, Ja'Cory Brooks, a guy out of Miami, uh, Booker T. Washington, 2021 kid. Um, I, I think he's one of the better receivers in the state for 2021, so he's going to get on campus and get his first taste. Um, Keanu Coat, Keyshawn Silver, a couple 2021 defensive ends, recently offered cornerback Demetrius Hill. He was offered on October 31st, and he'll take a visit this weekend. And they'll have a bunch of their commits, Isaiah Walker, Jahari Rogers, Antoine Powell, Gerald Mincy, Richie Leonard, uh, Jaquavion Frazier. So, you know, for a noon game against Vandy, it's actually a pretty solid visitor list. So Florida's going to have, you know, a lot of guys on campus. And, you know, with these spots getting kind of limited, you know, whenever you get kids on campus, it shows that they're very serious about you. And I think – um, you know, when you don't have these games where there's a billion kids there, you really get a little bit more personal time. So I think these are a, this is a good weekend for them to kind of build some relationships. Yeah, and all the more important for Florida to show up and really take care of business. I mean, you know, you don't want to come out and lay an egg with, you know, a decent amount of visitors at some key positions in need. So, uh, well, Blake, uh, we'll be back uh, probably Monday. It'll, it'll probably be a little bit later of a podcast than normal. Blake's uh, traveling to a wedding. He's standing in. So, uh, you know, we'll have all the updates on the site. Bob Redman will be helping us with recruiting this weekend. And we'll have plenty of recaps from the visits uh, day out, you know, day of, day after. So make sure you tune in to Swamp247.com, guys. And we will be back to break down Florida Vanderbilt and preview the Missouri game uh, sometime Monday. Thanks for tuning in.